You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I'm Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be joined shortly by my co-host, Alex Barallo. Had to push things back a day this week. Things were a little crazy for Alex once again. As uh, as we mentioned last week, he's uh, burning the midnight oil, trying to get these uh, these these critical supplies shipped across the country. So we thank Alex for that, and plenty to talk about tonight. You know, it's it's unfortunate, of course, because of COVID. There is no, you know, even though teams have told, or even though the league has told teams they can open their facilities, it looks like everyone's going to keep their players and coaches away as much as possible. There's going to be, I, I believe, they said, you know, uh, some players rehabbing from injury will be in the building. Uh, of course, custodial crews, cleaning crews will be in there sanitizing. Um, but no, 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 no players, uh, you know, doing what they would normally be doing at this time of year, which means no news from, you know, from camp, who's impressing, who's not, even, you know, even when it's a mini camp, even whether it's an OTA, a mini camp, training camp, a lot of that stuff does add up to nothing at the end of the day, but you do get those, uh, you know, the odd player who stands out and, you know, you start hearing their name consistently and you follow them closer and closer and these guys make the team. And when you're a diehard, you know, that, that's the type of stuff that's fun to fun to keep track of. You know, if you're a Fairweather fan or, you know, someone who just likes to, you know, look at the box scores or whatever, it's it's different. You, you don't really notice that stuff. But for the diehards who, who, you know, eat, sleep and drink this stuff, it's, uh you know, this is a time where we'd normally have something to talk about, uh, something to cover. So unfortunately, that's not the case now. Um, we will be able to discuss the uh, story came out the other day about Sam Darnold and the fact that he's going to be meeting with some of his, some of his receivers in Florida, which is great to hear. CJ Mosley, of course, the uh, all world inside linebacker who missed so much time last year, only played a game and a half and really, really just over a game, I guess he figured the time he came out in the Buffalo game uh, really just what a disaster that ended up being. And if, you know, if he can get if he can get to 100 percent and become the player he was in Baltimore, that's a huge huge step for this defense. We're going to talk about uh, just touch briefly on the interview Damian Woody did the other day. Former New York Jets right tackle had a couple interesting things to say about his time with the Jets under Rex Ryan. And also we'll just kick around a hypothetical here because you know we don't know because of COVID what's going to happen with hard knocks. Uh, if if the league is going to follow up and and allow that, because that would mean more people in the building, more intrusive, uh, they may not want that. But if they do, do you, do you hope the Jets are on there? I mean, listen, selfishly as a fan, you want it. You want as much coverage, you know, as you can get of this team. But you do hear players and former coaches who went through it. You can hear them say it was a distraction. You can hear them say it was just one more thing to have to work around and an inconvenience. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like a team should be able to use hard knocks being in the facility as an excuse for not playing well. But there is also that part that says, look, I, I want as little, you know, uh, intrusion, as, as few distractions as possible. And if that's what you're after, then, then you don't want hard knocks in the building. So, yeah, the selfish part of you as a fan, 
absolutely you want him in there. But is it gonna is it gonna you know rock the boat a little bit? If so, is it worth it? So you know that that's something that we'll explore. We'll discuss that with Alex once he comes on. Uh, before that, though, we want to uh, take a minute to thank our sponsor, Jet Nation Radio. Would like to thank Mile Social, our sponsor, Mile Social. That's M I L E Social dot com. If you're a business owner looking to help looking for help managing all of your social media platforms. Check out milesocial.com, M-I-L-E social.com. Whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, Mile Social has you covered, M-I-L-E social.com. Give them a look. So, again, not, uh, not a ton going on, but as, as we said earlier, we, we're also going to touch on some of the, the, the better remaining free agents because there are still some guys out there. And we'll, we'll actually, the first thing I'll cover is uh, there was a rumor earlier in the week that came from Manish Man of the Daily News, everybody's everybody's favorite writer. Uh, we get along fine with Manish here, and and some people got a kick out of the fact that Manish said the Jets had reached out to Kyle Long, retired Bears offensive lineman, as a potential free agent addition. Within, I would say, an hour of that report, Kyle Long spoke to a reporter in Chicago saying, not true, uh, I'm retired. But uh, interesting thing today, and, you know, it doesn't mean it's the Jets, but it was interesting that, that Long said, no, I'm retired. And then he tweets out a picture today of uh, a shot of a scale he's standing on with him weighing in at uh, 274 pounds and saying up to 280 by this weekend. So he's clearly trying to put on a fair amount of weight fairly quickly, uh, which for a retired guy, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. So is it possible that Kyle Long is coming back? And is it possible that he's looking at coming back to be a New York Jet? I mean, I, I, listen, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, I, and Kyle Long, listen, people right away, I saw, why would you do this? Why would you sign this guy? We saw what happened with Ryan Khalil. This is a disaster. He's retired. Listen, folks, if you bring in, if you bring this guy in at this point, this is night and day to the Ryan Khalil thing. It's, it's such a, I mean, you can compare the two. You can compare any two damn things you want. That's what a comparison is. But to say the two situations are similar is ridiculous. Ryan Khalil got huge money to come in and be a starter. What do you get, 8, 9, 10, 11 million, whatever they threw at him? And then you, you, you bring in, if you're bringing in Kyle Long with, with the additions you've made, it's to compete with a chance to start. And you're probably talking a couple million dollars. Two, three million, spot starter, backup, vet guy. Vet guy on, a, on an O-line that has some young dudes on it. You know, maybe they feel like, because again, uh, as we've said all along, I don't know how safe Brian Winters is. Maybe you want Kyle Long to be that veteran in the, in the, in the O-line room at a much cheaper price. And have him bring along your young guys, your Cam Clark, your Mackay Becton. I mean, who knows? It, he said he's not signing with the Jets. We'll see what happens there. And, of course, the, the Logan Ryan thing, which I'm, I'm not going to go over that again. Well, I'll go over it briefly. Um, he still hasn't signed anywhere. So, until he signs with somebody, I don't I don't understand the point in uh, – in, in acting as if he has, because I keep seeing that. Oh, they, you know, 
Manish or who, whoever, anybody who jumped on that bandwagon. Oh, they said he was going to sign with the Jets and he didn't sign. Well, he hasn't signed anywhere yet. And as I explained, the day, the day that rumor broke, it's entirely possible that the Jets have an offer on the table that's better than anything else that's out there or comparable. And Logan Ryan's just going to sit and wait till camp to see if he gets a better offer. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Who knows? Doesn't matter until you know until the time comes when he does settle somewhere. But anyway, enough about that. You know, those those are largely hypotheticals, and I'll you know we'll have Alex chime in on that once he joins us, which uh, should be a little bit. He texted me a little while ago, said he was running a little behind, but he was uh, on his way out of work and and heading home. So once once he gets in, we'll. I'll ask him for his thoughts on those guys. But uh, like I said, we're going to talk about top free agents, guys who are still on the market. How crazy is it? Well, Cam Newton is on the market. Obviously, the Jets aren't going after him, but just his name, his name I've pulled up this list of top free agents, and he's, he's on there, of course. And, uh, gee, the Jets, it's, it's bizarre. I said it all this offseason that there are going to be players, free agent quarterbacks available and free – or quarterbacks available – and free agency who are better than most of the quarterbacks the Jets have had for the last 20, 25 years. And sure enough, that's the case. Uh, a lot of guys that they were out there this offseason, the Jets could have gotten. But, uh, of course, with Darnold in the fold now, that's not an issue. But Cam Newton, you know, he, obviously he's going to have a hard time finding a starting job right now. Most teams either have a, a vet starter in place or a young guy they're looking to work with. Um and the Jets, you know, they brought in Flacco, who, you know, we discussed last week. It's a guy who's looking to uh, – I'm sure he'd like to start again at some point, but he took, what, a million, two million to come in and, and be a backup. But in terms of the guys that are on the market, you know, we, we've talked about Davion Clowney. He's a guy who you just – you figure – you know, I, I was glad to see – glad to see that the Jets were reportedly never really in on him. I just he worries me the 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 injury history the coming off three sacks last year it just it, it's weird it does it does it does kind of have the feel of a situation where the guy just might Davion Clowney just might have a huge season after feeling snubbed all I remember coming into the this off season it was being reported he was looking for eighteen nineteen twenty million. And now there's talk that he may have to that he may end up signing with Seattle for around 15, that they haven't closed the door on that possibility. So you better believe he's going to be wanting to prove the world wrong, and uh, he's going to be playing. You know, he, he's going to be trying to prove that he deserves that that 18, 19, 20 million. But I just again I don't see that being a fit with the Jets. Uh, the the injury history was the big one to me. And I do remember, you know, coming out of college and every now and then you'd hear it from a from an analyst or a, a, maybe a radio guy that, you know, there's whispers about his, his work ethic and his attitude and this and that. And um, that's that's if if a guy wants 18, 19, 20 million and he's coming off a three sack season and there's injury history and 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 some some character concerns, not even character. I mean, to my knowledge, there's nothing off the field with Damian Clowney. But, uh, we, you know, you've heard through the years that uh, from the time he came out of college and every, and every now, I want to say it's quite a while back. I want to say one of the last times it was in New York 
they were talking about him on Sports Radio. It might have been the fan. It was an FAN, uh, which I can't get out here. That's a real pain. I got to be honest. Uh, FAN isn't what it used to be, but it uh, when the alternative is nothing or ESPN radio, which I, I enjoy Michael K and those guys in the afternoon. But God, the mornings are brutal. They really are. The mornings and the overnights, it's uh, the, the Trey Wingo and Golick. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Not, uh, not a fan. But anyway, lots to talk about Clowney, the, the injuries, the, the, the character. I guess I should say more the desire, more, not so much the character. The, the, the desire isn't always there. Is it true? I don't know. I haven't watched him. I haven't watched the guy play every single down. But if I'm paying a guy $20 million, you can't have those questions. Uh, Larry Warford, we talked about. It's a weird thing, and I, I've said this many times. That the guy, no. Is, is he a fit for the offense in terms of his agility? Not really. But how, how agile is Brian Winters? You know, how agile are the guys that are going to be playing, you know, that, that will be playing guard instead of Larry Warford? So that's uh, that's an interesting one to me. Logan Ryan, we talked about, and uh, Josh Gordon. Could you imagine that? Josh Gordon, he's he's apparently applied for reinstatement. That uh, wouldn't touch that with with a ten foot pole. But uh, listen, there are some decent players out there. Some guys who could who could fill a role on this roster. Jason Peters is out there. Talked about that. Would have no issue with that. You know, as we said, you know, Peters at left tackle, Becton at right tackle, and uh, or or even Becton at left guard, put him alongside Peters so he's he's on that left side, and learn from him. But uh, that that rumor, you know, we saw that kind of pop up out of nowhere that the Jets had some interest, and that's probably over a month ago, and nothing nothing came from it. So I would imagine nothing will come from it. But the. There are, like I said, the, the the biggest one though, and this is the one I wanted to talk about. And uh, and again, once Alex joins us, we'll cover this. But it it really it's it's almost it it's frustrating because the Jets have such a dire need at edge rusher, and folks, Marcus Golden is still out there. I mean, what is it about Marcus Golden? And that's and see, here's the thing: as easy it is for as easy as it is. For me to sit here and say, why isn't someone signing Marcus Gold? What? This is a guy, you know, teams, pass rushers are at a premium. Teams need those guys. He had 12 sacks a few years ago. He had 10 sacks with the Giants last year. How in the world is he not signed somewhere? Well, that if you're looking for red flags on a guy, that's the red flag. How easy is it to find a double-digit sack guy? Not once, but twice in the last three years. Well, last four years. 2016 with the Cardinals, 12 and a half sacks. 2019 with the Giants, 10 sacks. 72 tackles. I mean, this is a team that hasn't had a 10-sack guy in a million years. At least it feels that way. So I, I need help understanding why. I mean, you mean to tell me that, that Greg Williams wouldn't be able to find a way to get Marcus Golden involved and get him to be a productive guy? I don't, I don't understand it, and I would love to know what the mindset is. And I, I understand that you've brought in some guys. You, know, you, brought, you brought in Zuniga, who you're hoping can get to the quarterback. But until he proves that he does, you don't know that he can. So why in the world... 
Would you not? And I, I listen. I don't know what the guy is asking for money wise, and I don't know if there are some issues there. I don't, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that I know the guy's got got uh, you know problems behind the scenes, but it, it's one of those things that defies logic. I mean, we know how how much of a pass happy league this is, and you have to be able to get to the quarterback. And here's a guy who does a pretty damn good job of getting the quarterback. And he's just sitting out there. And it's, I mean, it's June. What is it, June 8th, June 9th? And he's still sitting out there as a free agent? I don't get it. It, it doesn't add up to me. But that's often the case when, when you hear about a guy who you know is good enough to play, and he's not on a roster, especially at a premium position, there have to be some concerns there that aren't uh, – you know, aren't public knowledge. And not, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it might be a big name guy who's just waiting for the right situation because he knows a big offer is going to come. But I don't think that's the case with Golden. I mean, if it is, I've not heard his name mentioned at all. Other than, you know, a few people here and there saying, why isn't he signed? Why doesn't this team sign him? Why doesn't that team sign him? And nobody signs him. So it's, it's really a, a weird situation. And like I said, what what is it? Yeah, June eleventh. June eleventh. This guy's still sitting out there. And it seems like it just seems like it doesn't add up. Ton of quarterback pressures, ton of quarterback hits. And just let's 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 pull his his total pressures. This is according to uh PFF. We've got Marcus Golden real quick. 64, 64 pressures last year, 15 hits, 12, they have them down for 12 sacks, I think PFF grades like half sacks or something, they have a couple things they do a little bit differently, but either way, 64 quarterback pressures, 10 sacks, 15 quarterback hits, and this is a team that doesn't have an edge presence, it's, it's stuff like this, man. This is why I wish I was an insider. This is, this is the stuff I want to know. Seriously, as a fan, how do you not want to know that? How do you not look at this, guy, this guy's numbers and want to just be able to call somebody, call up a coach, call up a scout, and say, what the hell is going on here? Why is this guy not on a roster? He's not old? Let's see. He's 29. He's not 36 years old. He's not th- even if he was 31, a season he's coming off of, and uh, and nothing. So it's weird. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But we'll figure. You know, we'll we'll find out where he lands. We'll see where he lands. Maybe I missed it. I've not seen him mentioned one time in in connection with the Jets, other than fans like myself asking why in the world he's not under contract with somebody. Vinny Curry. Now, here's a guy the Jets were reportedly interested in. Plays end, plays a little linebacker. Doesn't, doesn't have the same numbers. Not anywhere close to Golden. Now, again, I'm not going to pretend that I know how each guy is used in their system. But um, just odd. So odd. But as we wait for Alex, I'm, I'm going to delve in here. We're going to dive into the, uh, the main topic of the evening. And Alex, can, uh, we, can, we can have him get caught up and, and give his two cents. But... Sam Darnold. So no camp, 
No OTAs, mini camps, none of that. But he's got some new targets. He's got a lot of them. So he did the right thing. He, this is what you want to see. This is what you want to I mean, there's no doubt that Sam Darnold was going to try to get something done. So he apparently flew down to Miami. And uh, he was going to work out with his receivers, a couple of his running backs. Apparently, so th- th- this is what's being reported, that uh, Sam Darnold flew down to Miami working to work out with Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perryman, and Denzel Mims. And uh, that was according to the Daily News. And then ESPN was reporting that Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore, and Chris Herndon would be joining him at the, uh, at the Bomberino Performance Center. And I'll tell you what. I mean, this is this is what teams are going to have to do. This is what quarterbacks are going to have to do, especially you're talking young quarterback, new receivers, guys, you know, even Herndon's not a new guy, but they, they obviously didn't get on the field a whole lot last year. Perryman, got to get some chemistry there. Mims, got to get some chemistry there. Crowder, there's already, I mean, they have good chemistry. He had, what, 82 catches or whatever last year. Frank Gore, I mean, listen, as much as I was against the Gore signing, I said at the time, I have nothing against Frank Gore, the person. Love the fact that he's there. It doesn't surprise you one bit to find out he's there. And Le'Veon Bell's there, who, you know, the great thing about that is, you know, we heard so much, you know, we've talked about this before. When he came over from Pittsburgh, there was so much talk about he's selfish and he doesn't, the effort isn't there, blah, 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 blah. That We've seen nothing close to that from Le'Veon Bell. He's been, you know, model teammate in terms of, you know, the way he conducts himself, the work ethic has been there. You, the numbers weren't there last year, but as, you know, as some people said, might have been the best he played. That guy, he had to break so many tackles just to get out of the damn backfield. I actually saw a number on him the other day. One of the top backs in the NFL term, uh, last year in terms of uh, making guys miss. Just It just didn't pay off because, you know, he wasn't able to make seven guys miss on each run. You know, make one, two, three guys miss, and there was still somebody right behind that guy. So you talk about being in a tough spot. The, that was a terrible situation for Le'Veon Bell. Everybody knows it. And for whatever reason, um, people still criticize. I've seen people say that, you know, waste of money, lost a step. Now, did they pay a little too much? Certainly. Certainly. You know, in terms of the running back position, and in terms, and when you look at what he was paid and how he was used, that was just a terrible imbalance. But that doesn't mean that he can't turn things around this year, and you know, hopefully, hopefully get more involved. As we've talked about the blocking, you know, we've been over it a million times. Blocking's got to be better with the guys they brought in, and if as long as it's there, and the you know the receivers build that chemistry with Darnold, that you know we're going to see a much different version of Le'Veon Bell this season. You know, far different results. Or so we hope, you know, if everything else falls into place. But so Darnold is out in Florida. Herndon, who, for my money, I mean, listen, you can you can make a case for a million different guys. Go back and forth on how important this guy is and how important that guy is and why this dude has to stay healthy and why that guy has to stay healthy. But I'll tell you what, I look up and down, especially when you look at guys who missed significant time with injuries last year. Or if you look at guys who, you know, like, I I tweeted this out the other day. 
the, the five players who I think are most important, you know, it, where if these five players stay healthy, it completely changes the expectations for the Jets in 2020. And to me, those guys are this year. I mean, Mosley, number one. You got Mosley at the top of that list. This year, Quinn and Williams, who I think, I mean, who did play a lot of last year with, some, with, the, with the high ankle sprain. And Herndon. And then Bryce Hall. Because if Bryce Hall can stay healthy and rehab that ankle, get to where he's, he's a go by the season, by the time the season rolls around or even early in the season, that, that gives you a potential solid starting corner. And if the seer is healthy, that, that gives you a couple start, solid starters. And that, that changes everything. But on offense, to me, yes, of course, the offensive line is important. I get that. People were responding to my tweet with that. It's all about the O-line. It's all about the O-line. And it's like, you know, listen, it's got to be, uh, you know, it's got to be, I mean, that's that, that stating the obvious. It's got to be all clean up front. Guys got to keep Darnold upright. And I'm not even putting Darnold on the list. And here's why of guys who have to stay healthy. Kind of one of those low-hanging fruit. It goes without saying. Of course, Sam Darnold has to stay healthy. But my expectation is he's going to stay healthy. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not piling on Darnold and including mono as a durability issue. Oh, he's had durability issues his first two years. Listen, year one, he hurt his ankle because he had a head coach who left the center in the game who had dislocated finger or fingers and was snapping the ball 20 yards deep into the offensive backfield. And Sam Darnold had offensive defensive linemen landing on top of him while he was trying to cover up wild snaps. And then year two, he gets mono from kissing some girl. And I'm supposed to say he's injury prone? I'm, the, I'm not doing it. It's such a, If someone gets coronavirus during the season and they have to miss a couple weeks, is that guy injury prone? No. It's preposterous. It's really, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. There's no reason, at least to me, as far as I'm concerned, Sam Darnold missed a few games in year one because he had an idiot coach and an injured center. And then he, he kissed a girl in year two. I'm not looking at him as like, oh, man, there's some real questions about his, his durability there. Especially he got his brains kicked in last year, even worse than year one. And, he, you know, other than, other than that, other than the mono, he stayed healthy. So I'm not putting Darnold on the list because in my mind, he's not as injury prone as people say, and I expect him to play. I'm talking in terms of guys who missed significant time recently. This year, got to get healthy and stay healthy. And I believe, if we are, if I'm not mistaken, we've got Alex joining us now. Slight delay, had some some technical headphone issues, and we're gonna we're gonna see if these are working for him. Alex, can you hear us? Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit uh, raspy, but we got you. You're on with us. So, um, so we'll jump right in, Alex. I'm just, I was going over. I mean, first of all talked about some of the uh the, the, the I don't know if you saw the, the the Kyle Long rumor earlier in the week from Manish Mehta 
that was then disputed by a reporter in Chicago within an hour or two. And then interestingly, Kyle Long tweeted out a picture. It was yesterday, I think, uh, might have been today, of himself standing on a scale weighing in at 274, saying he's hoping to be 280 by this weekend. And that's just kind of out of the blue. Like, who tweets that they're trying to gain six pounds in the next three days? So is he trying to put on weight to come back? And is it – it could be a situation where the Jets reached out, spoke to Kyle Long's people, and didn't get an answer. And then Kyle Long gets a call from a reporter and says, have you talked to the Jets? And Kyle Long says, no, I haven't talked to the Jets. And then a reporter runs with that. But whether whether it's true, whether it's false, I didn't like the comparison, Alex. People were comparing it to Ryan Khalil. I said it's a much different situation. He's not going to start. He's not going to get nine, ten million. What are your thoughts on bringing in a guy like Kyle Long? Is that is that something you think the Jets should pursue? Yeah, I, I did see that. I was a little um, taken back by it. Um, you know, it does seem very, very similar to the kind of Ryan Khalil move from last year, pulling a retired guy off the couch. So, you know. Jeff fans have a very, very good memory, um, and things like that tend to stick. So, uh, you know, no one really knows if how long has, you know, what the ability to, to grind out another season. Uh, 280 does seem a little bit low, uh, you know, for my comfort level. Well, that, um, I, I, don't, I don't think that was his ultimate goal. I think he's just saying he's on his way up. Like, I'm 274 now. I'm going to be 280 by this weekend. He might be trying to get to 290 by the following week. Um, I don't think he was just saying he's trying to get up to 280. That's where he'll stop. But, I mean, but Alex, of course, and I mentioned this earlier, Khalil was brought in to start for big money. Kyle Long, is if they're bringing him in, it's probably for a couple million to be a backup and a mentor. Would that, right. make, would that make sense? You know, the way you phrase it there, if, if that is the um... – the objective for the way that they're going to handle the offensive line. Um, you know, last year, more than likely, there was a lot of people that, you know, didn't have a lot of experience, and, and that created a lot of uh, gelling issues. You know, having some more ease in mind um, in the locker room and, and in the depth chart would definitely be beneficial. Um, you know, living in a world where we have a, a bunch of backups protecting Sam Donald again is, is a scary place to go to. But uh, I, I would assume that a Kyle Long would be an upgrade uh, over a struggling Brandon Shell or, you know, a, a struggling uh, Tom Thompson from last year or, you know, any of the guys that you can just, you know, kind of get into what I'm trying to, to say here. So, I mean, it doesn't give me, like, great hope of where this uh, front office sees the offensive line because if they're still trying to find, you know, pieces, even if they're, you know, as old as fossils, um, you know, I, I'm happy that they're not content. They want to continue to improve the team, so that's, that's good. I like that. Um, it does concern me, though, that they're looking in avenues like that. I mean... Could you tell me that a retired Kyle Long is better at this point in time than a healthy Calvin Beacon at 30 years old? Because Calvin Beacon is still out there. And I know Jeff fans, you know, want to walk away from him, and maybe that's what the Jeff wanted to do too. But it's just kind of very peculiar um, when I saw that. Um, 
So I, I would be tentative if, to pull the trigger on that, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I like the way you phrase it, though, to come in, be a mentor, and teach these young guys. Uh, you know, apparently we've got a lot of young players and teams and experience, so a player coach uh, definitely seems like the right thing to do. Um, and right now it, it seems like you, you could be making a roster full of uh, player coaches at this point with uh, players like Gore and, and some other uh, older guys that we've brought in. So interesting to see, you know, where Joe Douglas um, – kind of reaches to and where he's going at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that, you know, as, as I said earlier, I, you know, I would, I like the idea of Jason Peters. I mean, Peters would obviously play a lot more than a guy like Longwood, but I like the idea of a, a veteran mentor coming in on the old line more so than I worry about a, a veteran mentor in the backfield. Uh, there's so much more nuance for, for the old lineman and a lot more to pick up. So the, uh, I, I would like Kyle Long and, and the depth. I mean, listen. I, if, if you look up and down this roster, the the there are quite a few spots where there are questions. You know, at so if like if you look at corner, it's you don't know what you're going to get between Desir, uh, Bless Austin, and Hall. But if you know if two of those three guys play solid football, then the depth behind them is looking pretty good. Mallet played all right last year as a backup. And then whoever of those three doesn't start, that gives you two solid backups on the O-line, you know, depending on what happens with Brian Winters. Um, I like that you got Van Roten. and Jonathan Harrison's a guy who we know can start. If you added Long to that group, you're, you're building some pretty solid depth at a, at a lot of different spots on the roster. Um, you know, Ashton Davis coming in, adding some depth to that safety spot. Maybe he plays a little bit of nickel. Maybe he plays the boundary a little bit. Um, so they're adding some quality depth. It's, of course, these starting spots where they need guys to step up and, and, and raise their game to a higher level. And, uh, and that's something that I mentioned earlier in that, you know, I think Desir is one of, the, one of the more important guys on this roster right now because if he can return to form and Hall can get healthy, then you're, you're in a pretty good spot in the, in the defensive backfield. And the, uh, what got me started on that was mentioning Chris Herndon. And, Alex, I'm sure you heard – about Sam Darnold getting together in Miami with his receivers. Uh, Mims is going to be there. Perriman's going to be there. Crowder is going to be there. Herndon is going to be there. Bell and Gore also going to be there. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I like the uh, the fact that the, the players are kind of getting together and going ahead and, and doing their own um, practices. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, – you know, my days back in high school when we were seniors and the coaches weren't allowed to communicate with us during the off season, but as, you know, captains and things like that, um, we were able to connect with our guys and, and run our own kind of uh, separate, you know, workouts and things like that. So it's very reminiscent to that. Uh, you know, these are the kind of things that uh, Sam needs to do moving forward. Um, he's been very humble and a little bit quiet over the last couple of years, so you know, this is the year where he has to start uh, being a little more vocal, stepping up in the locker room, and making himself, putting his presence a little bit more, uh, you know, felt amongst his uh, teammates. Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, if we are going to have a successful team, um, it's going to run through the skill level and confidence of Sam Darnold. 
So the fact that he's starting to do these things now shows a little bit of uh, maturation. Uh, I mean, how old is he now? He's 22, about to be 23 years old. I think he just turned 23 this week. Yeah, so he just turned 23. Happy birthday, Sam. Uh, You know, so this is is great. I mean, a lot of people just keep forgetting about how young and and, and talented the kids can be, and, and, and he's got the whole world ahead of him. So, you know, these are good steps here. Um, being in this world that we're living in where everyone has to, you know, keep their distance and everything. I, I'm, I was very concerned about, you know, this is the year that everyone's anticipating them to take this giant leap. And as of right now, you know, the virtual learning and everything like that, you, you could still learn, you could still, you know, sharpen your, your mental game, which is definitely a key aspect to, to this game that these guys play. But, Getting with your guys and making those mistakes and then getting together and seeing them on film and working through them and talking them out and building that chemistry, you know, those are the things that these players need to do in order to produce better on Sundays. So this is just like one of the first steps, um, hopefully as many, that Sam will take into bringing in, you know, a stronger connection with his, with his weapons out there uh, because, a successful Sam Darnold is going to have to have chemistry with these guys. And, you know, this is a good point. This is a good thing for him to do um, and, and start working on those routes and the timing and things like that with some of the new guys because he hasn't been throwing the ball to some of these guys in a long time and he hasn't um, connected with Herndon since his rookie year and um, he has no chemistry with, with Mins or Gore. So, these are all things that they can get done now before they get to the actual organized practices. So I, I was very happy to see that. It's definitely good things for Sam and the team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of, you felt like it was inevitable they were going to have to do something, um, but it just, you just do, you feel a little bit better when it actually happens, when you see him put it into, put it into action and get together with his guys in Florida and, and try to get ready, you know, get ready for the upcoming season. And, you know, in terms of getting ready for the upcoming season, talked a little bit about, you know, some other free agents out there who, who could help the Jets. And, you know, we, we talked about the Larry Warford thing. I still, I still stand by the fact that while he may not be as mobile as the Jets like, he is a big enough upgrade over Brian Winters that it's worth it because Brian Winters isn't the most agile guy in the world. But, of course, you know, we don't know if they plan on putting Van Roten in that spot. And uh, I think it was Rich Samini, actually, who said uh, – it was Rich Samini, ESPN uh, Jets beat writer, said that he spoke with somebody who covered the Saints, and they said that there was a that, that Warford definitely played worse down the stretch last year, that they didn't feel like he was the same guy. So maybe that's why New Orleans let him go. You know, you're not going to keep a guy around based on reputation. The production has to be there. So if that's the issue, I, I guess, you know, that, that makes a lot more sense. And, you know, you, you move on from that. Um, and as I said, I said earlier, Alex, before you were on that, uh, Logan Ryan still unsigned, um, still, yep. you know, no idea where that guy's going to land. And it's, uh, I hear a lot of people talking as if he's signed elsewhere, like, Oh, I thought he was going to sign with the jets, but he didn't. Well, he didn't sign anywhere. Um, and I think he's just sitting down. I think I, and I said this a couple weeks ago, I think they just made an offer. I think they liked their offer. And he said, well, uh, just leave it on the table and I'm going to, I'm going to sit back and see if anyone can come along and beats it. And obviously nobody has at this point. It's the same What's thing that, that happens to it every offseason. With, you know, when, whenever the fan base or anything, we get 
all worked up and, all right, we got to get this guy no matter what it takes, whatever it takes, get this guy. Um, and then these players use our team as leverage to get better deals elsewhere. Um, the, it happens every year, and I'm starting to get that feeling. Um, you know, Jack Conklin uh, looking for, you know, an exorbitant amount of money and the Jets are the biggest bidders, and, you know, then all of a sudden everything is getting repeated and he goes elsewhere. Um, yeah. We all know about the bar situation, you know. Um, you know, this may not be the case with Logan Ryan, but it just has that feeling, you know, that we're being fleeced again. And, you know, perhaps there were sources. I'm not going to sit there and say that Manish didn't have sources on this. Um, you know, I believe, you know, when he comes here, he, he's a truthful guy. And uh, I think Manish is a stand-up dude. And uh, I think he does put good content out there, even though not everybody loves what he writes. But, uh, you know, I believe him when he said that he had inclinations from people within his network that they were very interested in him. And it looks like they're, they're trying to get a deal done. So I definitely believe him in that aspect. But, you know, it's like uh, when, when Gary V tweeted at Jake Pete Tango when we were all going crazy about, you know, last year's um, center uh, from Denver that we were trying to get. And forgive me Matt Paradis. Yes, Paradis. Thank you. So, you know, it kind of feels like that same scenario. Take Pete Tango here. And, um, you know, the Jets are not a stellar team, let's be honest. Um, we are not on the verge of... Uh, you know, going to the AFC Championship this year, doing anything of that nature at this point in time, predicated on our path. And, you know, guys like him that are getting toward that 30-year-old, he might be 30 already or he might be 29. You know, when you get to the back end of your career, sometimes, you know, you look for that big payday if that's what you're looking for and you go to a team like the Jets or, you know, a team that's in the bottom of the rankings, or you take a little bit less and, you know, you, you play for that yellow jacket. You try to get yourself a Super Bowl ring and, you know, put your put yourself in a, on a pedestal of, you know, a very, very elite club. Um, so, you know, maybe that's what he's also looking for, too. Um, I'm not sure yet because, you know, teams still have a decent amount of money at this point in time and some cuts can happen and some trades can still happen. Uh, so, you know, teams, you know, I can't fault the Jets for just not going out and, and handing them a blank check. I can't fault them for doing that. They've been sticking to this model this offseason. Um, and, you know, I, I could say that their approach has been pretty good thus far. And if we have a successful year this year and, and Stan improves and this, this whole team improves, then it's proven that you don't have to go out and splurge in free agency to build a good roster. Um, and I think that's what Joe Douglas feels. That he doesn't have to make big splash moves to get jersey sales and, you know, disillusion the the uh, fan base um, with high-profile names. So I'm 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 all right right where they are right now. Um, I you know obviously you know I would like to have Logan Ryan on our team, but I don't want to overpay for a player that may be only here for a year, um, and we're not sure um, how much he has left in the tank because um, I'll put money down on it right now that Logan Ryan does not repeat the season that he had last year because the season that he had last year, only a handful of people have replicated throughout the history of the game. So I'm pretty sure he's probably going to have a down year compared to last year. And do you want to pay top dollar for somebody that may not produce at that same elite level? So Douglas may not want to do that. And speaking about paying guys, paying free agents, um, I mentioned this earlier. 
I, I can't understand it. I would I would love to know. It's you know it's it's these these are the stories, Alex, that make me wish I was an insider and I could just pick up the phone and and make a call. But with, with the lack of quality pass rushers, not just not just with the Jets, but teams around the NFL, all you hear is that everybody you can't can't get enough pass rushers. Everybody wants a pass rusher. Why is Marcus Golden still a free agent? I mean, no, he's not he's not JJ Watt. But he had ten sacks last year. And he had twelve and a half sacks a couple years before that. Um he's not some bum who uh had, you know, a couple good games. He would fill a huge need for this team as a guy who can get to the quarterback. Um and again, not just the Jets, but anyone. Anytime I see this, anytime I see a super productive guy, well not super productive, but but a guy who was clearly productive enough to be on a roster, but he's not. It's like, what the hell is going on here? And and if you're the Jets, do you do you make a run at the guy? You know, um, I, I was very curious about that too, and it always seems it seems like there's a handful of these players that um, at that edge position, and a little you know a little bit older, a little long in the tooth, and um, it's very curious, um, you know, and it it makes me wonder, you know, why exactly are, are these this style player, especially in this position, which is, you know, held in such high regard, why are these guys still still not have a job? You know, Everton Griffin and, and Golden and Clownies, you know, people pound the table for edge rushers, um, and, and they'll do whatever they can to get them, and it's very, very peculiar that these guys are still out there trying to find a job. Yeah, I, I think with, with Clowney, I think it's price tag. Um, Griffin, Griffin, I think... I could be wrong, but I think he's he's a much older guy. He's uh at least early thirties. I mean, uh, he's thirty two, so he's three years older. And he's uh, but he did again. You're right. He had eight sacks last year. He had thirteen. He had thirteen sacks the year before that. I mean, any of these guys, really, Everson Griffin. Uh, I'm not talking about Clowney because of the price tag, but Golden or Griffin. When you look at what the Jets have, unless you know, we have talked, Alex about how well Terrell Basham played down the stretch last year. Maybe they just feel that between Basham, Zuniga, uh, using, continuing to use Jamal Adams off the edge, maybe they feel like they can generate enough pressure with those guys to, uh, to harass opposing quarterbacks. You know, we'll have to stay tuned and find out. But um, I was curious, Alex, one last thing we'll cover before we sign off for the evening. Um, some comments the other day from former Jets tackle Damian Woody, who said in an interview that, and you hear this from, from, you know, good players, great players, all players, uh, when you have all that success, because Woody was on some Super Bowl teams, um, but the tough losses are the ones that stick with you most. And Damian Woody said that the back-to-back losses in the AFC Championship game to the Jets still stick with him, because in both cases, he thought the Jets had the better team and should have won those games. Do you think that's accurate, Alex? I mean, I'm, those are obviously some great Jets teams. O-lines, phenomenal. <laughs> Defense was off the charts at times. But uh, I, I don't know. I think they could have won that Pittsburgh. I mean, if, if Pittsburgh doesn't run that fumble back for a touchdown, the Jets win that game. Uh, that was the difference Absolutely. in the score right there. Um, yeah, that was, you know. Yeah, it's, those memories are probably, those are the, that's the piece of my Jets. Um, you know, awesomeness, I guess I should say here. Because I've never seen them done 
to get past that game um, to go to the big dance. And, uh, you know, we were there two years in a row, and it, it really felt in that second year that that was the year. Um, you know, a lot of things changed when Chris Jenkins went down, and, and someone put out a highlight hit of him the other day, and I honestly think that the reason why that defense was so successful back then is because when you have a monster of a man like that, picking on two or three guys, plugging up the entire A gap and part of the B gap as well, it opens up lanes for other people, and, and that defense just, so successful in so many different areas. Um, yeah, I, I really felt, you know, especially year two, I, that was that was going to be the year. That really felt like the year. Um, I don't think anybody could have anticipated, you know, Mark Sanchez's rookie year run. Um, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but we'd all be damned if we didn't say that, that we thought that we had the right guy and that we had the right formula and the right team. Uh, we had a strong defense. We had a great running game. We had a, a stellar offensive line, and we had some good playmakers at receiver. Um, and me, the funny thing is that we had a young, inexperienced quarterback that had a lot of turnover problems, and and that was the biggest factor. If he could clean that up and, and play an honest game, you know, the Jets really could have went places. And um, yeah, I, I'm with Woody on that one. You know, uh, I'm still living off those moments, and I remember pacing and in my parents' kitchen at the end of that Pittsburgh game. And uh, it took days. It took, a, it took a few days just to come to reality with it that, that it was over. Um, you know, and uh, as Jets fans now, we get used to not seeing the Jets in the postseason. But, you know, at that point in time, it was a lot better football for New York. And, you know, I'm with Woody on that. Um, you know, I'll give anything to go back into that moment. And like you said, just have that correct – Fix that one play where that fumble didn't go our way. And, um, yeah, we might be talking a lot different about uh, how this whole organization and the 50-year uh, curse or whatever people call it. Yeah, I think, I think the indie game is a stretch. I th- just because you're talking Peyton uh, and, and that secondary. And people – I've heard so many people say, like, oh, Rex, Rex's defense was only good because he had elite corners. He, he didn't have Cromartie in year one the number one ranked defense in the NFL and the the guys they had opposite Revis were not very good. Lito Shepard. I think Drew Coleman had some reps over there. Um, uh, with Strickland. That guy Strickland. I was going to say Rod Strickland, the former Knicks player. Um, but they didn't have... They weren't stacked at corner in year one. And I think that's a big reason that uh, you know, I don't... I would disagree with Damian Woody in saying that that Jets team was better. Uh, but against Pittsburgh, I would say absolutely. And as you know, I've said it a million times, if, if Sanchez doesn't fumble that football um, and it, it, you know, it was, it was a tough strip sack because the brick got absolutely destroyed on that play. Sanchez didn't have a chance, but uh, you would hope, you know, if a lot of quarterbacks, they sense that pressure, they tuck it and uh, you know, and, and live for another play. But uh Sanchez didn't. Ball got ripped out. Pittsburgh runs it back for a touchdown, um, and then you lose by five. So that 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 play right there to me was the uh, the defining moment in that game. And you know, yeah, the Jets the Jets could have gotten a stop on that final drive, but there's no guarantee the Jets go down and score after that. Um, they they probably do because because they were on fire at that point. Um, after he gave up that touchdown, Sanchez picked it up in the second half. But it was uh, too little, too late, as as we know. 
And listen, hopefully one day in the not-too-distant future, we're talking about Jets and AFC Championship games. Uh, one last thing before we go, Alex. Uh, rumors, and you know who knows how COVID will affect this, but rumors that the Jets will be, or not, not that the Jets will be, but the NFL will be having two teams on hard knocks this year. I don't believe they, they haven't announced them, have they? Huh. That's yeah, as, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, wait a minute. So, so my thought was, knowing what we know about hard knocks, we as fans, we love it. I want, I want 24-7 coverage of the team. I want a camera in everybody's face in case they say or do something interesting. But is that selfish as a fan? Because we've heard coaches in the past say, we had the cameras in for hard knocks. We didn't like it. It was another distraction. It was another thing. It was an obstacle. So do you think it hurts the team so much that you'd rather not see it? Or do you feel like, screw you, I want to see as much of my team as I can. And if you've got to walk around some cameras from time to time, you've got to get over it. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I've become one of those people where uh, I don't want anything to come into the way of the, you know, the standoff process of becoming a better football player. I, I just cannot, um, you know, have that, have these guys tiptoeing and walking on eggshells and, you know, not being themselves, um, you know, because they, uh, they they feel that, you know, all eyes are on them and the whole world can hear and see and everything that they're doing. I just want our team to focus in on football, you know, tune into their playbook and, and come back this year and just, you know, completely flip the script. Um, every year we see teams that are bottom of the barrel, make strides, make big waves, do good things, and then find themselves, you know, in better positions, um, you know, in December and January and, and then going into the following season. That's what I want the best to do. Um, I just want to focus in on making Sam Donald the best player that we possibly can. Um, you know, Sam can still do that with the, the line, in the limelight, okay, great. But I kind of feel like with that uh, One Death Drive show that they do, that they put out every few weeks, I kind of feel like that's our own kind of hard knock um, that they run on the YouTube. And, you know, they're about 20 to 25 minutes, and I enjoy them. They, they have got good theme music, and you get the goosebumps when you see the guys, you know, interacting and things like that. It, it gives you that vibe that football is coming back sooner than you think. So uh, I don't know. If, if they were to do the hard knocks, then what would they be able to do with their own internal show? Um, you know, I, I kind of like what they've got going on, and I just want these guys to be focused in on ball. Yeah, I think I tend to lean. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I want as much coverage as possible, but I also want, uh, I want the team to be able to focus on the task at hand, which is, which is getting better, try to get better. So, um, That'll wrap things up for us this week. Alex, uh, we'll be back with you guys again next week. Hopefully, uh, hopefully talk some free agent signings or something. Let's get somebody uh, – yeah. let's get Mark on, Golden in here. Or... here. Give, us some, give us something to, uh, you know, to, to feed off of here. Um, you know, because June's kind of a dull month, and then everything kind of ramps up when training camp comes around. And- it is uh, – I'll tell you what. This, this is a tough time of year, Alex, and, and we have been known in the past – um, to take a week off here and there this time of year because it really is uh, – it can get redundant. Like one thing we haven't done, maybe we'll do this next week, Alex. Um, it's, I don't think it's too early at this point. I, I feel like not having any camps is throwing off my, 
my football equilibrium and I'm not sure, you know, where things are falling, but maybe, uh, maybe a 53 or well, 55 man. That's, that's a weird thing how it's going to work. It's like, it's 53, but you can elevate two practice squad guys for the game or whatever it is, whatever it'll be. Maybe we'll do a roster projection. Um, damn near impossible. It, well, not damn near. It's impossible to get it right this time of year, but, uh, we'll give it our best shot and do our 53 next week. And let, let, let's call it that. We'll, uh, depending on your work schedule. And again, thanks for, uh, thanks for the awesome work you're doing and trying to get these, uh, these deliveries coordinated, but let's, let's try for next week. Let's Glenn for covering for me. Um, it's been crazy and I, I lost my headset and I had one good working Bluetooth. So apologies to everyone. If I'm not as clear as I normally am, um, I'll, I'll be back on track next week. Yeah. All right. So Alex, let's say, uh, let's say next week's show, we'll do a 53 man. That'll, I mean, that can take up a nice chunk of time. It's, it's, it's fun to talk through. And, uh, and maybe the following week, we, uh, we, we skip a week unless there's a, a newsworthy uh, story that, that, that pops up. But that'll do it for us tonight on Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Alex, uh, thanks again, and we'll catch you next week. All right, Jet fans. Thank you, Glenn. Be well and be safe, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!